Amen. Romans chapter 4 this morning. Romans chapter number 4. Begin in verse number 17 here in just a moment. Romans chapter number 4. Be looking at verse 17 down through the end of the chapter. Down through verse 25. Romans chapter 4. Beginning there in verse 17. I want to read the text as we begin. And then I'll point out just a couple of things and give us just a, a very quick review of some thoughts that we concluded with last week that will help us uh, in our continuing study this morning. The Bible says in Romans 4, verse 17, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. If you look back with me at verse number 18, it's a very interesting phrase that is given there. Matter of fact, it's one of those verses that you read it once, you read it twice, you read it three times, and you think you're getting the understanding of what he's saying here. Verse 18 says, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Notice that phrase, who against hope believed in hope. When we think about what is being stated here, we understand that in the context of Romans chapter number 4, we have been dealing uh, almost relentlessly with the idea of righteousness, imputed righteousness, justification. And we came to the conclusion there in verse 16, really the declaration, it's a, it's a declaration of what every believer ought to not only believe, but ought to know. That our salvation, it is of faith, that it might be by grace. We learned that last week. That it, it is therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. I pointed out to you last week that faith and grace are together. You cannot separate them. You cannot have grace without faith and faith without grace. That in our righteousness, in our salvation, those two things have to come together. There were three thoughts we learned last week. Number one, that salvation is by faith that it might be by grace alone. That was the, the overall theme that we came to. But number two, we also came to the conclusion that salvation by grace is the only guarantee of salvation. In other words, my only guarantee of being saved is by God's grace. If it's by works, then no one can be saved. Okay, so it's got to be by grace. And then thirdly, and that's really what we're kind of pointing with this today, both Old Testament believers and New Testament believers, including Jews and Gentiles, are saved by grace through faith in Christ. You say, preacher, why is this so important? Because we need to understand today that even Abraham, 
an Old Testament saint, an Old Testament character, was saved by grace through faith in Christ. There was not a different way of salvation. There was not a different mode of salvation in its purest form. Now, we might say some things like Jesus Christ had not yet come yet. He had not yet bled and died. He had not yet had not been placed in the tomb. He had not yet raised again from the grave. He had not yet ascended back to heaven. And all those things are true. But we have to understand that we cannot separate God's word into things that make it seem more palatable or make it seem a little bit easier to understand. We've got to understand that it has always been about Christ. These Old Testament believers, it was not based upon what they were doing. It was based upon what Christ would do. It was based upon the covenant of grace that had been made literally before the foundation of the world. To separate the two and to say, well, uh, we cannot, there was no such thing as a gospel uh, in its purest form, the death, the birth, the resurrection of Christ. That's true. There was no gospel in its purest form that way. But all the way back in Genesis 3.15, we were given the promise that the serpent's head would be crushed. Well, when was the serpent's head crushed? The serpent's head, the, the, the picture of the devil, when Jesus Christ went to the cross and he bled and died upon that cross and he cried out, it is finished, Satan was a defeated foe. That was long before Abraham. What happened in the garden was before Abraham. And I want you to keep that in mind because that's going to be important as we think about this today. But I want you to notice again what Paul writes here. He writes to the, again, to these, this Jewish and Gentile congregation. And it says, as, I have as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now, this is going back to speaking of Abraham. Abraham, of course, we know in the spiritual sense, we've learned this over the last few weeks, is the father of all believers. He's not just the father of the Jews. In other words, if we have our seed, our seed is in Abraham as a seed and the seed of, in Christ. It's not just the Jews, but believers from all nations. Notice what your Bible says. As it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations. So this, in this spiritual sense, Abraham is a spiritual father. Now, when did Abraham become a father of many nations? He became the father of many nations when God told him, I will make thee a father of many nations. Prior to that, Abraham was not a father. He was not the father of many nations. It was God that made him the father of many nations. Notice, that's why the Bible says, as it is written, I have made thee a father. This was a designation. This was a choice made by God. God said to Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. Now think about this for a moment. When those words were spoken to him, Abraham was not even a father at all, even humanly speaking. Now that's, that's profound. Imagine being told to be the father of many nations and yet you're not even physically, humanly speaking, a father. But he says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Abraham is going to have an expectation of something that is to come. God says this as sure as something as it's already happened. In other words, when God told Abraham, I will make you a father of many nations, it is, it is just as clear as saying it already happened. In other words, folks, when God says, I will do, or I have made, or I have covenanted, it is as if it's already done, even though we may not see the complete fulfillment of it. If God says, I will, it's done. 
If God says, I have, it's done. When Christ says, it is finished, he meant it. He didn't mean it will be finished. He doesn't mean that I hope to finish it. He said, it is finished. What was finished? That completed work of what had all been prophesied many years before. The finished, the payment for sin, the payment for our sin. Notice he says, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Even God, it says, who quickeneth the dead. Faith in God's power to give life where there is no life. Imagine being told you're going to be a father when there is no evidence of that life yet. When a person finds out that they're going to be a father and a mother, there's some evidence that's there. There are, there are, there are signs that parenthood is on the horizon. There are certain things that start happening uh, inside of that woman. I don't have to go into detail. You all know what I'm talking about. There are things that begin to happen. There are evidences that suggest something has taken place. But understand something. In Abraham, he was not a physical father and the whole spiritual sense of this. There's really no signs to give him evidence or proof that this is indeed what's going to happen. But God said... But notice it says, even God who quickeneth the dead. That is literally the terminology of giving life to something that has no life. Now think about this for a moment. If God says, I can give life, do you believe God can give life? If God says, I can make something that was once dead, I can now make it alive. I can prevent, I can prevent he which is at the point of death. We've already talked about this this morning. I believe God can do that. I have faith in God's promises even if I don't see the sign yet. I don't see it yet. If God can raise the dead, would it be possible? Now remember, we'll talk about this in a moment. Abraham is, God is talking to a man who the Bible says is 100 years old. Abraham is barren. And Abraham's being told, you're going to be a father. Could God do that? You and I can look at Abraham and we could say, what's Abraham's hang, Abraham's hang up? This is no problem for God. Well, what if God told you that? No evidence, no signs, but this is going to happen. Abraham is going to have to believe God's word. If God can quicken the dead in their sin, if God could quicken dead Gentiles and dead Jews, could he not raise bodies from the grave? Certainly he can. Notice the Bible says, Before him with believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. In other words, what God says is as sure as if it's already happened. God calls into existence things which even today do not exist. Why does God do that? He does that according to his eternal purpose. Folks, we will never fully understand and comprehend the eternal purpose of God, but everything God does is according to his purpose, his plans. Not yours, not mine, his plans, his purpose. When was that purpose established? In eternity. Eternity past. His purpose has already been established. His purpose is being fulfilled. It's being carried out. Abraham was going to be used by God to carry out the purposes 
of God. All of those things lead us to the question about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope. It's an interesting phrase, who against hope believed in hope. Let's deal with these phrases and these words, pull them apart a little bit. The phrase against hope could easily be translated this, in the face of circumstances. In other words, Abraham had every reason, humanly speaking, to doubt what God had told him. Okay, is that, is that simplified that? That's what I'm thinking. He had, what was his circumstances? I'm an old man and my wife is barren. Okay, in the face of circumstances, Abraham had every reason to believe that this can't be possible, right? I, humanly speaking, if God did that with us and I'm 100 years old and the wife is barren and God says you're going to have a child, the response is going to be that can't be. Circumstances suggest otherwise. That's what, that's what this is. In other words, it would be foolish to be confident in such a promise, humanly speaking. That's what's happening here. How could Abraham and Sarah be parents? It goes against nature. It goes against the principles of humanity. It can't possibly be so. How's this 100-year-old barren woman going to provide a son? Notice what it says. Who against hope, in the face of circumstances, believed hope. Believed in hope. It's a powerful, powerful statement here. Abraham trusted in the word of an omnipotent, perfect God above the circumstances. Circumstances said this can't be. Believing God's omnipotent word, Abraham believed God's word over the natural circumstances. And by the way, living a Christian life and living as a believer, that's your entire motto of life. I'm going to believe the words of an omnipotent God over the natural circumstances in which I live. Abraham believed in hope. Abraham's hope was in the promise of God. Abraham's expectation of becoming a father of nations of believers would have to rest on one thing and one thing only. What? God's Word. You realize God never asked Abraham to do anything to get prepared for that. God never says, now you need to take Sarah here and have her checked out. I'm not trying to be irreverent. You need to take these steps. Abraham had to 100% trust in God's word and God's word alone. He's asking you and I today, we've got to do the same thing. Trust in God's word alone, even in the face of circumstances which seem foolish for me to be confident in. This is what Abraham is doing, this believing in hope. He believed God. He hoped for the very thing God said would come to pass. Now, this isn't a hope saying, man, I, I, just, I, I hope this works out. This was a resting hope. This was, I believe God, although we see Abraham later on, and we won't see it today, but in the Old Testament account, we see Abraham has a little bit of a, a waver in that doubt. And you recall the story, Abraham and Sarah decide to try to take things into their own hands and try to rush God. But understand here that he believed God and our hope today, our hope is in what? Our hope is in the redemption. And it's not a hope that we are praying that 
we hope all that we've been taught, all that we know, all that we've learned, it's really going to work out. We really, you ought to have a confident expectation today that I have no doubt that God is going to fulfill the very words he's spoken to me in this book. I shouldn't walk out of here today with any doubt of God whatsoever. I should be able to say, I trust God completely. I trust him fully. Now you might say, preacher, you don't know my circumstances. No, and you don't know mine. And you might say, preacher, my circumstances are 10 times worse than yours. They very well may be. But understand something, confident expectation is not in what humanly makes sense. It's confident expectation in what God has said. God has promised to deliver us. God has promised that those who are his own are spared from the wrath to come. Redemption draweth nigh. These are the words of God. Notice he tells him, so shall thy seed be. Remember I told you that when God says it shall be or it is or I have made, it's as if it's already done. Abraham was told by God, your seed, it will be. This is going to happen. Go back to Genesis 15 for a moment. Let's look at part of this account because what Paul is talking about is he's quoting Scripture. He's not making these things up. Genesis 15, verses 5 and 6. And I think we, I think we read part of this already uh, a number of weeks ago. 